All right, let's open uh, with a, a fascinating study here. Simple question. How many times does a person hear, I said no, by the time they reach 18 years old? Proverbs 3.13 says, blessed, another word for that is happy, blessed are those who find wisdom and those who gain understanding. Blessed are those who, again, the key word is find and those who gain. You find wisdom and you gain understanding. Wisdom, as Solomon explains, is not something we are born with. It's something revealed. It's something searched for. And as you seek, so shall you find. You know, it's fascinating. I read this here about uh, Tom Brady, one of the most popular quarterbacks in NFL history. He shared about a time that he was struggling with some negative thinking, and he read a certain book, and he said that book totally changed the way that he thought. He went from negative thinking to, to learning to have a victorious mindset. Interesting. Here's the book. The book is called The Inner Game of Tennis. Now, why would a football player be reading a book about tennis because just like in Proverbs, he was seeking to find wisdom, to gain understanding. Again, it's not something that we're born with. It's something you search out. You search out to know the mind of Christ. And sometimes the answer comes from maybe a seemingly unlikely source. Scott Jeffrey said it like this, you move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. Best you decide what those thoughts will be. You know, when Solomon talks about wisdom, he is the richest man in history, and he says, you know, wisdom is more valuable than gold. So we need to be careful about what is the dominant thought that we carry. Do we have wisdom thoughts, the mind of Christ, or, or do we have something else? Notice that word again where he says you're blessed or happy. That word is used throughout scripture. For instance, here's David using that same word, Psalm 2, blessed or happy are those who take refuge in God. Psalm 40 says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. So very quickly, we see a number of things that we can begin to take and put into our life. Do we seek wisdom? Do we take a refuge in God? Do we put our trust in him? These are things that scripture says bring about life as it's meant to be. You know, Gary Brady says it like this, God reserves a profound happiness or contentment for the one who finds him and his wisdom. So again, looking at wisdom, you're blessed or happy when you really have wisdom. Now, Jesus uses that word as well. Luke chapter 10, verse 23, he says it like this, blessed or happy are the eyes that see what you see. Now here he's talking to the disciples, but what he says next, he's talking to you and I. Blessed, he says, are the eyes that see what you see. What did they see? They saw the, the Messiah performing miracles, healing people, setting people free from demonic oppression, teaching the gospel of life, perfect love, perfect forgiveness. He says, blessed are your eyes that have seen it. And then he goes on to say, because I can tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. For centuries leading up to that first century when Jesus then was born in Bethlehem, the word became flesh. People were dying to say, I wish I could see the Messiah. I wish I were alive when he walked on earth. I wish I could hear his teaching. And Jesus goes on to say, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And here's the key for us and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. We don't get to see 
in the same way, of course, the disciples did in that first century, but we do get to hear just like they heard because we have the mind of Christ revealed in the Gospels and the New Testament all throughout Scripture. And so we get to hear what he teaches so that it can be applied to your life, to my life. And that's what it is to be blessed or happy, to take and say wisdom is to listen to what he says. Thomas Dubay, a great statement here. He says, what makes a saint, what makes somebody a giant of the faith different from your average believer? Here's what he shares. The difference in the giants of the faith is they say a complete yes to the healing grace God offers to everyone where most of us say maybe, somewhat, or wait a while, not yet. You see, you and I are, are able to say we hear his calling. We hear his teaching, what people wish they could have heard. We can say, yes, we hear because we have it revealed in Scripture. And if you and I want to move to that next level of faith, then we need to be those who give a complete yes to what he calls from us, not a maybe, somewhat, wait a while, not yet. So how many times does a person hear, I said no, by the time they reach 18? The answer is 148,000 times, 20 times a day. 148,000 times by the time you and I were 18, we heard somebody say, I said no. So think about that. For us, 18 and over, that is, again, something that's a reality already we've experienced. I said no 148,000 times, limiting beliefs. That can't be done. Why do you think so many people now struggle to say, I'm afraid to take a risk? Because tens of thousands of times when they stepped out, they were met with that resistance. So many wrestle with having confidence because for so many times they just heard no and no and no. That's why we have to say, what's my dominant thought going to be? Is my dominant thought going to be limitation or is it going to be I seek wisdom. I'm blessed because I hear him. And I'm going to give a complete yes when he calls me to follow. You know, Bill Scott, a missionary in India You know, he shared when he got to where he was in India, he estimated 5% of people had seen a Bible. He wanted to share the gospel, preach, and distribute New Testaments. But people didn't know what a New Testament was. And he shares something here that you and I can share. You know, if you're talking about your faith with someone and maybe you don't know what to say, here's something great that you can say. It doesn't have to be a, a discussion about religion. Everybody has religious beliefs, even atheists. What we're talking about is the life in Christ revealed by the mind of Christ found in Scripture that says you're blessed when you hear and obey. So Bill Scott, when he handed somebody a Bible, they would say, what's this? And here's what he said. Here's a great book that will help you in your life. He also shared, here is a way to happiness, a way to a new life. When people are desperate for answers, what a great thing to be able to share with them. Here's a great book. It'll help you in your life. Here's the way to happiness. You know, St. Teresa, about 500 years ago, she wrote books on prayer. She didn't want to write, she said, but 
her her mentors and those she listened to looked up to they told her you need to write down what you teach people came to listen to her teach they said this is real wisdom you need to write it down and she didn't want to but because they directed her to and she wanted to to be the person they were calling her to be and listen to their advice she wrote books widely read still today but she said in those books listen you can learn everything i teach but if you don't obey the voice of god it'll do you no good wisdom is is to not just to hear but to say a, a complete yes to what he calls us to do Think about this study here, Kelly Bellary sharing this here, just a fascinating study. She says, what percent of thoughts do you think are negative for the average person? Now, do you think negative thoughts are a higher percentage or do you think positive thoughts are a higher percentage? Or do you think it's 50-50? If it's not 50-50, do you think it's weighted much to one side or the other? Here's what the studies have found. 77% of what people think is negative. Over three quarters of what people think is negative. This is why Jesus said there are people dying for centuries to see what you get to see, to hear what you get to hear. And when we take that seriously, let those thoughts become our thoughts. That thinking become our thinking. That dominant thought become not limitation, but to say, I focus on what is holy and right and true. And suddenly we find our thoughts become his thoughts. And that negativity that consumes so many people that simply vanishes away. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, just verse 49. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, how I wish it were already blazing. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, how I wish it were already blazing. Fire is a, a, a metaphor used hundreds of times in scripture. Very commonly, it is used to describe the presence of God. You think about Pentecost, tongues of fire, or Moses, the, the burning bush. In the desert at night, there's this, this cloud that they could see, this, this fire. The prophets spoke about that fire, the presence of God, as also a metaphor for the, the passion inside their heart. As Jeremiah said, you know, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. Fire also is a metaphor in scripture if you're purifying gold it's it's heated up and the dross then is melted off so fire is the presence of god it's the purifying it's the burning in the hearts it's about an encounter with the divine jesus said i've come to cast fire on the earth i wish it were already burning when he announced that new kingdom life displayed that he is that relationship we all dream of that he is that expression the word made flesh of God perhaps our prayer is father in Jesus name let that fire burn more brightly in me that passion that conviction that purified living 
Think about Luke chapter 10. We won't read the story. Everybody's pretty familiar, but remember Jesus talking to Mary and Martha, and he said two words to them are what matters. He said you need to remember the one thing. One thing. What was the one thing that he said to them? It was spending time with Jesus, sitting at his feet in his presence. And when we do that more and more, that fire becomes brighter inside and we begin to, again, take on his thoughts and see things the way that he sees them. This is an incredible poem by Horace, a Roman poet. He died just a few years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Listen to his incredible words here. He says, happy the man and happy he alone. He who can today his own, he who secure within can say, tomorrow do thy worst for I have lived today. To daily say, I sit in Jesus' presence. That is the victory life. That's what's more precious than gold. And when we do that day in and day out, we can say, tomorrow, no matter what may come, I live today. So I have no fears about tomorrow because I've already got the victory in Jesus. As I've shared many, many times, anybody at any point that wants to make a change, you have to begin with a a big enough why. There has to be a reason why. It can't just be a weak reason. There has to be some very compelling reasons to make that change. And you can come up with a list of five, ten things when you want to make a change, whatever area of life you want to make it in. But to make that change, you have to have a reason why. So take some time and whatever area of life you're looking at and saying, I want to make some adjustments here. And maybe you tried in the past. Well, you didn't make the change because you didn't have a big enough why. When you come up with the big enough why, you'll make the change. There's a fascinating study done years ago where they had a student, a psychology student, go onto a busy subway. He would walk up to passengers and say, can I have your seat? And they would say no. Next one, can I have your seat? No. Several times, each got the same answer. Next day, they sent the student back into the subway, changed one thing. He walked up to people and said, can I have your seat because I hurt my foot? As soon as people heard the why, and it was a a real compelling reason, they all gave their seat up. We all need a reason why, and you can come up with that reason why that's compelling to you to make those decisions. If you're not making a change, it simply means that your why is not big enough. I'll give you a great why for believers to say every day, this is why I want to make a complete yes to Jesus. Here's a song we're told they sing in heaven. It's found in Revelation 5, 9. This is a song sung in heaven just as we sing it, hopefully day to day in our hearts. Here's the words. They sing a song and it says, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open the seals, because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You see, for us in Christ, our big enough why begins and ends with Jesus and says, my why is because he's worthy. My obedience is because he's worthy. 
My commitment to make this change is because he is worthy. Zig Ziglar shares it like this. You are what you are and where you are because of what has gone into your mind. You can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. The battle is in our our thoughts. 77% are negative for the average person. Tens of thousands of times we've heard no. We have to decide, what's my dominant thought going to be? Because my dominant thought is to listen to his voice, which says you are blessed if you do what Jesus says. You are blessed if you seek wisdom. You are blessed if you trust in him. You are blessed if you take your refuge in Christ. You know, Mark Victor Hansen wrote the chicken soup for the soul. He said, you know, he had a challenge. He wanted to get married as a believer in Christ. He was wrestling with some loneliness, depression, and he said he just knew by faith it was something he was ready to do. And he shared this, I truly believe one of the keys to success in marriage and life is disciplining ourselves to look for the miracles in life. I refuse to believe that anything happens by chance. So believing nothing happens by chance, he put on some new thinking. I want to get married, he said. So he began to pray for that wife. He began to write a list over three weeks of characteristics that he would want in that wife. Integrity. Somebody with humor. Kindness. Faith. Think about this. In three weeks, he came up with a list over 250 different qualities for the person he knew he wanted to spend his life with. He got very specific, prayed about each item and said, God, bring this person into my life. One day he was at a seminar. There's another woman there and she has a list of her own. He said they meet, their eyes gaze into each other's eyes and in a moment they knew what each other had been praying They got married today. They teach other people about marriage again because why? He had a different thinking that says, I believe in the one who says if I trust him, my life is going to to work in that victorious, joyful outcome he promises. Carolyn Miss shared about a, a study here. Think about this. What is the way to effectively change yourself in the moment to find immediate relief from stress? Psychologists found this. How do you immediately get out of a stressful state? They said this, pray for someone else. Pray for someone else. Just as Jesus says, John says, Peter says, all through scripture. You want to move out of stress just in a moment, then begin to pray for someone else. Again, it's taking wisdom. What is a different way of thinking that moves away from the way the world thinks and starts to take on the mind of Christ? Napoleon Hill said it like this, one of man's main weaknesses is the average man's familiarity with the word impossible. We are far too acquainted with that word impossible. May we get more acquainted with Jesus' words that says, I have come to cast fire on the earth and I wish it was already blazing. Maybe our prayer today again is simply, Lord, cast that fire into me close with something here from Kenneth W. Talbot to take on more of this mind of Christ. It was W.T. 
Perkazer said, God does not offer us a way out of the testings of life. He offers us a way through, and that makes all the difference. Often God's way up is down. From the down of 40 days in the wilderness to the beginning of a ministry of signs and wonders, from the downside of a Roman prison to letters that are still cherished 2,000 years later, from declaring with a curse, I know not the man to, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Be open to this possibility. Not even the depths can thwart the purposes of God. In fact, the road to the heights normally runs right through them. As a famous artist once said, my greatest pictures are painted against a dark background. No matter how negative the process looks to our eyes and others, think of Job, God faithfully, without tiring, draws us through the depths of our soulish lives and impulses toward the heights of the life in the spirit. At the end of his troubles, Job finally understood, I know you can do all things. And no purpose of yours can be thwarted. More and more I'm seeing God's hand offering to transform all these negative appearing results of my weakness and failure. And to use them as my teacher showing me what abiding in him actually looks like. Even our worst mistakes can be seen as gifts in the purposes of God. What Michael Wells calls warning lights which serve to keep us better on course. Jesus likened our relationship to him as to a branch abiding in the vine, concluding his teaching with the words, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Looks like greater things are on the way for all branches abiding in that vine. Years ago, Norman Grubb once said to me, I thank God for communist. I gasped and said, just how can you say that, Norman? He responded, the communists are creating the vacuum that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. It wasn't much longer after that that the Berlin Wall fell. Thousands of missionaries flooded to communist countries, bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to fill the communist created vacuum in hungry hearts. Do you have a problem, a crisis, a perplexity, a relational breakdown, a pain, a sorrow? Such problems can be used by the Holy Spirit to create the vacuum that only Jesus Christ can fill. And the upside-down irony of God is Holy Spirit typically transforms our greatest areas of weakness into his most powerful areas of ministry through us. Many an unwed, unwed mother transformed by the power of the cross has started a ministry to unwed mothers and their babies. Christian parents who lose their children in an accident start up an orphanage or clinic. The redeemed former prostitute or drug pusher develops a rescue ministry for street kids. Coincidence. As George MacDonald writes, no words can express how much the world owes to sorrow. Most of the Psalms were born in the wilderness. Most of Paul's epistles written in a prison. Take comfort, afflicted Christian. When God is about to make a preeminent use of a man, he puts him in the fire. And we trust that burning fire. The one who makes all things possible. Remember, one of the main weaknesses of mankind is the average man's familiarity with the word impossible. May our thinking, our dominant thoughts become blessed are those who trust in the one who truly makes all things possible.